much worth fighting for, and to her it was worth dying for. To me, I liked pink a lot. That was her signature color. If she could just put the world in pink, she would have done that. Sarah was more of the tomboy, really reserved. I don't think I ever saw Sarah without a smile on her face. Creating the next chapter of human evolution. This is the voice of leadership, and it's time to turn up the volume. Welcome to the Voice of Leadership Radio Network. I'm Linda Lombardo. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're live on the air tonight with a story in search of justice. We'll be talking about a documentary film called The Price of Honor, and I've got two fabulous guests author, activist, consulting producer, Amy Logan an activist, director, and executive producer, Shoel Pamos. The Price of Honor sheds light on the practice of honor killing. And for our listeners who don't know what that is, in certain cultures, honor killing is a practice that involves the killing of a family member by another family member. The victim is typically, although not always, a young woman who is perceived to have brought shame or dishonor on the family. And that shame or dishonor includes things like refusing an arranged marriage, being in a relationship that isn't approved by the parents, dressing in ways deemed inappropriate, expressing less than traditional views through education, art, or other public venues such as social media. In The Price of Honor, the filmmakers shed light on the murder of two sisters from Louisville, Texas, Sarah and Amina Syed, by their father Yasser, a murder which took place in 2008. So tonight's program is expected to contain conversation about violence against women and physical and sexual abuse and murder, just to let our listeners know. Our mission tonight is to bring awareness to this international issue of violence, help raise awareness in the ongoing search for Yasser, the murderer and father of these two young women, as well as raise the bar for how honor violence is handled by police, at least in the United States, going forward. And with any of our live broadcasts, you'll have the opportunity to connect with me or any of the guests by using the chat window feature that's just below the program description page here on Blog Talk Radio. You've got to sign in either with a Facebook login or by creating your own Blog Talk Radio login to chat. And when you do, I'll see your comments and questions and I'll share them on the air. I want to tell you a bit about my guests before bringing them on. An independent scholar on honor violence and the consulting producer for The Price of Honor, Amy Logan is the author of The Seven Perfumes of Sacrifice, a novel about the search for the ancient lost origins of honor killing in the Middle East, which she researched for a decade to uncover. She is a global women's human rights activist, speaker on violence against women, journalist and professional coach working with social change entrepreneurs and leaders to make a difference in the world. Shoel Pamos is an activist and the director and executive producer of The Price of Honor. He has been working in the film and TV industry since he was 15 years old. In addition to work on Broadway, he became very well-known face in television in Europe. ASDC, Trust Me, CSI, and the award-winning Freedomless are some of his credits. He has also been the image for international companies such as Levi's, Agfa, and Hugo Boss. Currently, Shoel is involved in humanitarian projects, and he is very active in the movement against domestic violence. I'm so privileged to have them both with me tonight. 
Welcome to the Voice of Leadership, Shoelle and Amy. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Hi. Hi. You're welcome. I personally want to thank both of you for being here. I, as I've learned more about this particular case through your work, you've brought these young women into my awareness and into my heart. And I have to keep reminding myself that, that this didn't happen somewhere in obscurity. It happened here in the United States, in Texas, and in 2008. I mean, first of all, how astonishing is that? And second of all, how common is something like this? Maybe you could both shed some more light on this practice of honor killing for my listeners. Right. Want me to take that, Shoelle? <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Well, um, yes, it, it, it is shocking for most people, but um, uh, it's it's not as rare as, as we think. Um, while uh, honor killing happens a lot more frequently in other countries, we are now seeing somewhere between 25 and 28 honor killings a year in the United States. That's a figure um, according to the AHA Foundation. And um, But the... Um, the incidence of other forms of honor violence um, besides homicide um, are almost uncountable. Um, you know, anywhere from threats, stalking, um, harassment, physical violence, sexual abuse, emotional and verbal abuse, forced marriage, child marriage, um, female genital mutilation. Um, all of those are considered forms of honor violence, um, as well as homicide. And um, uh, the United States is in the process of uh, getting up to speed on figuring out how serious is the problem here. The Department of Justice has um, started researching how do we even collect the data and evaluate it, uh, let alone stop it. You know, we there's a lot to do, and the first thing is to figure out what, how, how serious is the problem and where is it happening and how. Well, and that was the first thought that went through my mind was how on earth could you collect this data, especially from honor violence? Mm. Well, I'm not an expert on that, but I can tell you they're going to have to really look hard at motive because that is uh, one of the, the most important aspects of this crime, um, at least of the homicide portion, um, is, um, is determining um, what, what the motive of the, of the crime is. Um, uh, if you want to go into that now, we can. Um, it's, it's really, a, since honor killing, um, um, I should say, you know, it's indigenous to the traditional societies of the Middle East, the Indian subcontinent, North Africa, and um, uh, immigrant communities worldwide, including in Europe and the U.K. and the U.S., um, were quite a bit behind in, in tracking it. Um, but it's, um, uh, it's, it's, it's getting more and more on our, uh, our radar screen, and, and I'm very happy to see that because I've been studying it for 20 years. And I'm finally, you know, Shoel and, and his movie with Nina Najad, um, uh, I'm so glad to see that people are interested in this and are coming out to, to watch it and talk about it. And it's, I, I feel like we're, we're heading in the right direction, finally making some progress. That's good to hear. Shoel, anything that you want to add to that? I think, I think it was great. I think she... 
you know, she explained the issue very, very, very well. Great. Thank you. And and your website, thepriceofhonorfilm.com. It pays tribute not only to Amina and Sarah, but to many of these young women about whom we know little or nothing. And and in addition to Sarah and Amina, it, these are women from all over the world. You've um, you've you have some pictures posted there, and you've given them a name and a face for those of us who may not know about this practice or the, this you know or their murders. And so I want to thank you for that. For that alone, you've raised awareness. Well, you know that was that was the point. Sadly, we didn't have a space for for all the faces that you know. They should be there. Uh, we just didn't have the space, and we just tried to, you know, to make an, a nice selection um, uh, just for people to realize that this is not something that happens in one particular place, but that it can happen anywhere. I understand, yeah. And and um, moving into uh, specifically Sarah and Amina, Sarah... Syed was 18, and Amina 19 when they were killed by their father Yasser. Is is that correct? Uh, no, uh, uh, Sarah was uh, 17, and Amina was 18. 17. Okay, okay. I tried. I did the math, and so um, I that's I just just another indication that I should stay pretty far away from math, right? Uh, <laughs> 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 so Sarah was 17, Amina was 18. Yes. And and this is this is still an open case, right? This is not a closed case. Well, yes, officially it is open. Um and you say that with some hesitation. What Oh, uh, well, yes, you know, the case is open, but um I don't know that it matters if the case is open, but it's, you know, it's just inside someone's drawer without being touched. Yeah. So yes, but officially the case is open. Okay, and I think it's I think it's important that their story be told, and and I and I think that it's important too for the audience to know that the um, the case is still open because I think there's more that we'll talk about later that may um, may apply to that or be applicable. Yes, definitely you know, the case is open, and, and we're hoping yeah. we're co- we're hoping to make some progress. Uh, on the right direction, um, you know, and really get some answers that we didn't have before. Yeah, good. And I understand that the film reveals more about the story uh, that perhaps was originally was originally known. And I'm wondering if you would begin by telling the story, uh, the story that appeared in the headlines, and then what maybe we can build on what you learned as you began to... Uh, to create this film as you began to develop the storyline for oh. this film. So so okay. be- begin by telling us the story of, of Amina and Sarah. Okay, well, the story that everybody knows, the story that it was in the media, it was that um, Amina and Sarah were killed by Yasser Saeed uh, on January 1st, 2008, because they, I guess, they put shame on, on their families and and even though that they tried to run away with their mother a few days before they got killed, uh, they came back uh, for 
you know, they came back um, with with the mom, and I guess the father wanted to take them out for dinner, and they went out and never came back home. And so he had the he took the girls out. That was the mother. The mother wasn't present at the time, was she? Uh, no. That, that you know of. That you know of. That, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And so he took the girls out, and they never came back. And and what do what do we know about that um, horrific um, event? What do we know about that? About are you referring to to the crime scene, or are you referring to the moment where they leave and they go with the father? Uh, um. So that's a good question. I guess I'm I'm asking you to share some detail with our listeners about what actually happened. They they got in as I understand it, they got in a taxi cab. The father had borrowed a taxi cab from someone. Yes. Or he was a mm-hmm. cab driver, I'm not sure which. And and yes. they got in the cab with him. What do we know about the story from that point? Where we what we know is Okay, I have to go back a few days, okay? Um, go wherever Chris- you need to with the story. Uh, yes, absolutely. Chris- Christmas Day, Amina and Sarah, with their mother, Patricia, they run away and they go to Kansas. Um, they go to uh, Patricia's aunt that lives in Kansas, and they stay there for a few hours, Um then they decide to go to Tulsa. They arrive in Tulsa on the 26th, and then they decide to come back on December 30th, if I remember right. And when they get when they get back in town, back in Dallas, um, Amina is informed that they are going to go and see Jasser. And she gets really upset. And she tells um, Patricia, the mother, that she's not going anywhere, that she's not going back to the house. So she goes to her friend's house, and that's where she stays for two days. Then um, on January 1st, um, 2008, um, Amina gets several calls in the morning for her to go back home. And Amina keeps saying, no, I'm not going to go back home. I'm not. Um, maybe she got like over 50 calls. And then um, early in the evening, Patricia drives to Amina's friend's house where she is. Um, there is a discussion, and she finally convinced Amina to go back to the house. They get in the car. They get to the house. And according to Patricia, uh, who we talked to in the film, um, they get in the house, and she was about to um, cook some food, and Jasser tell Patricia not to bother because he would like to take Amina and Sarah out for dinner. Um, Patricia said, cool, you guys have a nice dinner, bye-bye. And that's it. Next thing that we know, Sarah is calling 911, um it's you know it's saying that she's dying and and that her father shot her 
And and what we know from that point on is that um, the I think the, one of the amazing things is that, um, as I understand it, again going from your website, Amina was shot twice. Sarah was shot nine yeah. times. Yeah, the nine reason times. why Sarah. Yeah, um, Amina, uh, Amina died right away. Uh, she was she was sitting right next in the passenger seat, right next to Yasser. Um, so he was very very close to her. Um, um, the autopsy report says that she she died right away. Um, when it came to Sarah, Sarah was in the back of the taxi. So I think she was really moving around trying to avoid the bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it took a lot, and you know, thanks to Sarah, we had that call where, where she named her killer. You know, um, I believe she called nine one one after being shot. I think um, seven times, and then she got shot twice more after that. And I can't imagine that. I mean, what an incredibly strong young woman to be able to do that. Definitely. Uh, I guess, and you know, when something like that happens, you just you just get your energy from I don't know from where, but definitely you have to. You know, she she really she really fought. She really she really tried. Yes, she did. She did, and. And, you know, I understand that um, you, you said a couple of times, you know, Amina was the one who kept saying, I don't want to go back, I don't want to go back. I understand that there was a almost a foreshadowing that Amina had of her death a few days before the, the murder. Is, is that true? Well, Amina, Amina knew way before that that she was going to die, Um uh, in you know in in the movie um we show some of her emails um as far as 2005 uh 2006 where she clearly knew that dying was just a matter of time she knew that her father was going to kill her um she always knew and i think a few days before um she just she just felt that it was coming and that it was close, and that's when she decided to run away. But then she was tricked into coming back. Um, you know, she she didn't know that. And apparently she changed her MySpace photo to read, I don't want to become a memory. And that was just a few days before her yeah, death. Yeah, that was like, before yeah, the murder. that was... I, I think that happened right right before they ran away. Um, and it's really chilling. I mean, it's it's extremely chilling. It is. It's chilling and it's powerful. And I and I know that you're using that statement as one of the, the I guess, I'll call it a legacy statement for the film. Is uh, you know. I don't. Um, I don't want to become w- a memory. Yes. Yeah, I don't want to become a memory. Now the trailer yeah, because, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that uh, you know both of the girls, Amina and Sarah, they were they were such wonderful uh people. Um I mean, we've talked to so many people that that knew them and 
and they were amazing uh ladies um i mean i just i mean i just knew i mean i just you know i, I mean i've been the older um sister uh, you know like she was fighting she was she was always protecting sarah in a way so she was taking a lot from yasser um, she 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 would always protect Jack and Sarah really 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 bad. Hmm. Now the, the the trailer hints that the film goes deeper. It reveals more. What what is, what is it our listeners really need to know about this case that perhaps wasn't part of the original news stories or or perhaps it, it maybe was even hidden from the news stories as the case may be. Well, uh, there are a lot of new information that we show. Um, we show, for example, that um, media assumed that Amina had a, a boyfriend, but, but the boyfriend that everybody portrayed as, as Amina's boyfriend wasn't actually her boyfriend. It was, it was her friend that she ran away with. Uh, there was a whole plan that Amina set up for her boyfriend to be safe because Jasser Jasser had found a letter between Amina and Joseph um and he went crazy uh, as far as as kicking Amina on the mouth and she had braces and her lips got stuck um into her braces and she was bleeding um she was uh, all this happened because Jasser was asking her uh for for Joseph's address because uh, Jasser told Amina that he was going to kill him. And Amina was so scared because she knew that Jasser was capable of doing that, that she just stayed quiet. She she was quiet. She didn't say anything. Um, you know, he beat her up. Um, we have several emails that we show where she's just crying, just saying how how bad her mouth is, um, how scared she is that the father is going to, do anything to Joseph, you know, she was she was so scared, but I think she was more scared for Joseph than for, for herself, because in a way, she was used to that her whole life, because that's how she grew up, you know, but when it mm-hmm. came to the person that she lost, she was really, really, really concerned that something bad was going to happen to Joseph. Um, she did as much as she could to make sure that he was safe. Um, we also show a lot of evidence that police, you know, the police fell, and uh, as of today, they're still failing the case. Um, I can, I, I couldn't give you a reason why, but definitely they are letting, they're letting, uh, a lot of details they're letting go. They're not really taking advantage of the evidence that it's right in front of them and um, I don't know why I don't I don't know I don't know why hmm. and and was it Joseph's voice that we hear at the at the beginning of the trailer that I played just a little while ago is is that yes. Joseph's voice yes that was him yeah so when did you well, where did you even start once you decided that you had to tell this story? Where did you even begin with something that seems so, um, so I want to say secretive, um, 
maybe difficult to get information not only from the officials but from the fam the you know the the surviving family members where where did you begin how did you start well everything was everything was extremely hard because um it, it, you know first um Nina and I we were doing we were trying to do a a, a film on honor violence in general but then you know we we got into Amina Sansara's story, and there was so much to it that we we realized that that was our story. That's the story that we had to go with. Um, and then we got into the story, and we had a, a great team investigating and doing research. Um, we got a lot of contacts. Uh, we talked to many, many people that knew the girls, and then we talked to a lot of people that didn't want to talk to us. Um, you know, it, it's weird because a lot of people feel it's really hard for people to really talk about what happened. It was extremely hard. Like Joseph, he never talked to anybody. Mm, I can imagine. Yeah. It was the first time that he, you know, he opened up and he talked to us. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a really fast thing. It took us several months, uh, I would say nine or ten months, to, you know, really talk to him. Uh, on a daily basis until he felt that we could be trusted, that we were doing something for his goal and and that he really wanted to be part of, you know, to be part of it. Um, it was extremely hard for him and for so many other people. Um, you know, we did try to approach also the Said family, although we were not very successful with it, but we did try, and we did try to talk to the police department, which they declined to talk to us. Um, we did try to talk to everybody. Everybody, everybody had the opportunity to to talk about this case on camera. And and so you have Joseph, and you have Amina and Sarah's mother. Uh, um, in the in the film. Um, yeah. We have a lot of people, but some of them are. Um, we have a few of the teachers of both girls, Amina and Sarah, and then we have um, Joseph, and then we have Ruth, which is Joseph's mother, um, which is really important in the film because she had a really close relationship with Amina. Um, then we interviewed twice uh, Patricia Owens, um, who is the mother of the girls. Um, and then we interview Patricia's sister, and we interview Patricia's aunt Jill, the one in Kansas that they they ran to. Um, I think a few more people there. Uh, of course, um, um, the amazing Amy Logan. It's in the film, and she talks about honor violence, and um, she really educates people really fast in the film. So if, you know, if people never hear about honor violence. She gives them a, a, a huge lesson so quick. Also, I just want to mention that um, uh, another person that was interviewed that um, was very helpful in um, putting together some of the details were, was um, Miguel, who was the Taekwondo instructor of Amina and Joseph, and is the reason the class is the reason that they met in the first place, and it was the place where their relationship really took place um, since it was the only time they could see each other almost completely. 
Okay. All right. I see. And Amy, how did you how did you get connected with um, Joelle and Nina? How did that connection happen? Right. Well, as you know, my my novel um, about the origins of honor killing uh, came out in um, uh, early 2012, and shortly thereafter, I I heard from I think Joelle the first time. And, um, uh, you know, people who are interested in and working on the issue of honor violence in the United States are a very small number. <laughs> and um, uh, we we pretty much all know who the other ones are and um, are, you know, establishing friendships and relationships and, and are helping one another um, uh, build our case to, uh, to really to get uh, more action by the government and the police on this. And um, so they they found me and uh, reached out to me, and, um, you know, they read my my novel and gave me really great reviews, and we stayed in touch. And I was coming to Los Angeles um, last spring to uh, speak um, on honor violence at USC at a conference and um, for UN Women in L.A., and uh, they decided to, or invited me to be interviewed for the film uh, when I was in town. And um, uh, the rest is history. <laughs> well, and we do want to know more about um, honor violence in the U.S. in 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 just a bit. So I I do okay. I want to actually draw on your expertise here for our listeners mm-hmm. as well. I I'm curious. I know that the film has been. Uh, it's it's been screening in different parts of the country, and and I'm wondering what's the response to the film so far. So far, so good, right, Amy? Um, yeah. You know, people really like it. Um, I mean, it's you know, we put it together in a way we wanted to make sure it's it's, it's a horrible film. I mean, it's. It's a really extremely sad film, you know. Um, it, it's just I, I always remember we usually have a Q and A right after the screening, and when we get on the stage, I just see people like with tissue, like just you know cleaning their eyes. It's a very very emotional um, film, you know. It's it's really gonna suck you in, and and you're just gonna be so upset. You're gonna, you're gonna feel so many. You're gonna be upset. You're gonna be, uh, you know, angry. You're gonna be so um, sad at the same time. It's, it's, it's really gonna bring those emotions um, out. Um, uh, but you know, the people really like it. Um, we didn't have a lot of people, at least that told us that they didn't like it. Um, <laughs> the response was really, really amazing. Um, you know, we. We get emails and messages on Facebook, like, um, you know, a lot of people um, will just email us to say thank you for keeping the story alive, uh, thank you for making sure that there is progress in this case. Um, and, you know, so we're very excited that people feel that way. Um, that was the goal uh, of the film. But we also wanted to make sure that this is more than a film. You know, we wanted to create a movement um, to catch Jasser Yes, you're you're you you want to raise that awareness to make and make sure that he gets he gets caught and yeah, we, 
tried tried for his crime. Definitely. And, you know, we know he's here in the U.S. for a fact, okay? Um, and we know there are people who know where he is. So we're just trying, you know, we just launched this campaign that Amy can explain more about it. It's called uh, Catch Just For Now. Um, um, you know, we're just hoping that we're going to raise money um, for his reward. Because right now, FBI is offering $20,000 uh, for him. Uh, there's a private company that is offering $10,000, so that's $30,000. Um, you know, maybe $30,000 is not that much, but, you know, let's make it 100000 and maybe someone will decide to turn him in to the law enforcement. So that's our goal. That's what we're working on really hard. Amy's working really, really hard on the campaign. Um, and we're hoping, you know, the people jump in. And, you know, if people are on Twitter, please use hashtag um, catch Yasser now. Um, and, you know, help us to spread the movement. Yeah, that's right. Um, Linda, we are creating a coalition of partner organizations that uh, that also want to uh, see him uh, arrested and convicted. And um, so far we have the United Nations Association of the USA on board and the AHA Foundation. Um, for people who don't know, the AHA Foundation, that's um, the um, initials A-H-A. It stands for Ayan Hirsi Ali. Um, she is the activist against honor violence and author and uh, just an incredible humanitarian um, who started this foundation and um, who's you know, really doing the most that I know of in the United States and, uh, in, and also in much of the world um, to combat honor, honor violence. And um, so those two organizations have come on board so far as um, our partners. And um, uh, what we're trying to do is is raise money to add to that reward fund that already exists that, that uh, Shoelle was mentioning. Um, and it's for tips leading to his arrest. So we're really asking people to get on board with us. Um, when you see the film, um, it does make people angry um, at you know what happened. It's terrible injustice, and we're really hoping that energy can be transformed into a galvanizing force to uh, to donate to this fund and to um, uh, to spread via social media as much as possible uh, awareness of this case. We're not going to let this case die. We're very serious about continuing this until it's um, he's caught and convicted. And if people want to give to the campaign, um, if you go to our website, the thepriceofhonorfilm.com, com, and you can find um, a tab called Get Involved, and it will tell everyone exactly how to help with this campaign, including how to donate and. Um, and just a few days, we'll have an online payment component to make it very easy to donate. Wonderful. And, um, yeah, go ahead, Shoelle. I, I, I was just going to say, and also for those who, um, you know, um, cannot contribute, uh, there are many ways that they can help the campaign. They, you know, we have people taking uh, selfies with uh, with the sign uh, that it says uh, "Catch Jasper Now." So there are a lot of ways that people can get involved and that people can 
posts on social media. Uh, you know, we just need to spread the word um, out there. Okay, and I'll ask you to repeat some of that information again at the end of the program, just so our listeners get to hear it twice. And in, in the meantime, I have a I have a chatter asking, what is your sense of the police work on this case? Did they seem equipped in terms of both skills and behaviors to deal with the matter of honor killing? That, that's a that's a great question. And I'm also curious if you've been working close to the detective on the case or any law enforcement that actually handled the case. So, first first question: sense of the police work on the case? Are they are they equipped for this? Amy, you want to go and answer that? Well, you you worked directly with them um, on the, on this particular case, so I think I'm going to let you answer that. Okay. Well, um, uh, the answer is no. We the, the answer is no. We had um, our team is you know we had a team that was really good, and our investigation came from private detectives, uh, a private team. Uh, we tried to work with authorities. They didn't want to talk to us. They didn't want to talk to us at all. We tried to approach uh, um, Detective Hennig, which is uh, the detective in charge of this case from Irvine Police Department in Texas. Um, he didn't even want to talk to us on the phone. We tried to go and, and we tried to we went to the police station uh, when we were shooting in Texas, and he didn't come out. He didn't want to talk to us at all. Uh, we did have communications with FBI. Um, definitely FBI seems to be a lot more active on the investigation, but sadly, pretty much FBI is assisting the main detective. Um, he's not doing much. Um, I know he saw the movie. He came to the Dallas premiere, and he was there. Um, he didn't talk to us, uh, but, you know, we knew he was there. Um, you know, we're waiting for a call from him. You know, we showed, right. we definitely show evidence that he never had. Um, we're, we're, we were hoping that he was going to call us to see if he could collect collect that evidence. But again, or if there was anything uh, additional that didn't make it into the film, too, I would, I would think. Definitely. But I think the fact that he was there is, you know, I mean, that's a good sign. He was there at least, and. Um, yeah, I would expect that there would be that phone call to you as well uh, around. Uh, you may have gotten information from people that you know who might not have opened up to uh, uh, a law enforcement agency or an official individual. Yeah. There could be something there that that could take this from being a cold case to making it uh, a honestly, little bit more accurate. Yes, but honestly, I I just think that. Um, this is this is a cold case, and um, you know, according to I would say 100% of the people that we talk to on camera, they are extremely unhappy with the investigation from from Irvine Police Department. They think they are not doing anything on on, on purpose. Um, I, they think that they just want to let the case go call. Um, and you know, sadly, I I can. I can feel that, you know. I can see how people can feel that way because we did try to talk to him. We did, we tried to reach out, and um, he doesn't want to get involved in anything. Well, there's a lot of reasons law enforcement doesn't want to talk about an old case. 
think that's you know that that makes a lot of sense, and yet you you know you could be you could be a really good resource. The you know the other thing that keeps going through my mind, and so I've got to ask this question, um, Amy. I think I asked this question of you when you were a guest on the program two years ago, when we we're talking about the seven perfumes of sacrifice. But I've got to ask this question again. What's the danger to you in telling this story? Um, it was was this a dangerous act producing the film, uh, go, having this coalition to find Yasser? It you know. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's not something I spend a lot of time thinking about. I'm 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 interested in getting justice, and I suppose any time um, you are doing something that um, uh, like what we're doing, there's an element of risk to it. But um, that's not going to stop me. I didn't think it would. <laughs> Knowing you, I didn't think it. I didn't well, think it would. Well, you know, when I when I learned about how long honor violence has been around for you know five to seven thousand years, and when I started researching this, you know, up until just a few years ago, it was a taboo topic to discuss with anybody in the honor killing zone, the countries where it happens, where indigenously occurs. And um, you know, I realized there's a conspiracy of silence around honor killing. And it, that's how it's managed to go on unabated for thousands of years. And if somebody doesn't speak up about it and say no more, it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue. And I can't live with myself if that's the case. You know, it's a, um, there are 800 million women and girls, at least, in this world who live under the honor code, if you will, whose lives are curtailed from cradle to grave. And that's to me that's and and you know and that's that's they're all living these horrendous lives full of honor violence um and and there's at least twenty thousand that are murdered annually for honor killing to me that's a pandemic that is a crisis that global leaders should be scrambling to address and to solve, and they're not, and that's got to change. And that's why I do the work that I do. Yeah, and so you are the voice of that. And and well, I'm one. I'm one so of them. Grateful that you are one there, of those voices. There are more. There are more each day. I I find people, you know, start, starting to, as you can see, if you look at the news at all, uh, violence against women in general, not just limited to honor violence, is becoming uh, a bigger and bigger topic. And um, I really think a lot of it has to do with social media and the internet has has allowed us to to now um, help each other so much more than we ever could before. We, we know what's going on. We can, we can protest it. We can say enough. Thank you. Yes. Yes, yes and more of that, please. <laughs> and, and, Shoelle, I want to ask you, because I, get, I, I hear in that why, why Amy is passionate about this and why she does this work. What lives inside you that compels you to stand up, not only for these two young women, Amina and Sarah, but but for all women in terms of violence? Well, well, you know, the short answer is 
women are way more smart than we are men. So, you know, they should have, they should be the leaders. They are better at that, and the world would be a much different place if, you know, if all the power was in in women's hands. But that's not the case. So um, I got involved in domestic uh, violence years ago. Um, my mom... My mom was abused for uh, several years, um, and I just, you know, I just always tried to use my art to press myself. Um, at the time, I was, you know, just working on projects about domestic uh, abuse. Um, and, you know, I love women. Um, I think they're so precious, and we have to take care of them so much. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm the fact that, uh, you know, honor, no honor killings, no honor violence, but, uh, you know, the fact that there's so many laws and actions that they go against women, we men, we need to stand up for that and, and, and you know, and say that's no, that's no right. Thank you, Shoelle. Amy, that's what we you, need more you, of. We do need more of that. Yes, more of that too. More of that, please. Yes. Why why the men, even the good men, why so many of them are silent is just shocking to me. And well, that's really I, gotta change. We we need those good men to stand up and speak out. Uh, you know, Amy, I, I I also think a lot a lot of those men, the good men that they don't talk, I think is out of in ignorance. I, I I think a lot of men doesn't they don't feel that by talking, um, by really um talking about it, I'm I'm getting involved, I'm helping, that they can actually make a difference. But you hmm. know, we all can make a difference. Well I'm here to tell them that we need their voices and we can make a difference that way. It's, in Definitely. fact, the only way change ever happens. I agree. Amy, yeah, <laughs> I, agree, I agree, too. And, and Amy, a, a chatter is asking a question. Uh, you made the comment that we need to say enough. And, and the chatter's question is, who are we saying enough to um, in the U.S. or in Canada or other industrialized countries? In other words, is it specifically uh, any particular type of community, say, for example, a Muslim community? Who are we saying? Well, there's, the, there's, there's the hot question. <laughs> I was yes, I thought about. I thought it was. Right. I thought it was a hot yeah. question. Yeah. Well, so so here's the thing. Um, yes, a, a lot of honor violence does occur in um, Islamic communities, but it doesn't happen exclusively in Islamic communities, and not all Islamic communities have honor violence. For example. Uh, Indonesia is the largest Islamic country in the world and has no reports of honor violence or honor killing. Um, and it happens um, in non-Islamic societies like India, where Sikhs and Hindus are also known for the practice. Um, that said, um, uh, there seems to be um, a relationship um, between Islam and honor violence um, Islamic law and Islam do not sanction honor killing at all. But there are elements in honor violence, I'm sorry, there are elements in Islam that make women more vulnerable to honor violence. 
such as having their, their rights and freedoms curtailed, having their sexuality controlled, having to be obedient to their husbands, and so forth. So, um, you know, what, what really comes down from what I've been able to see and the research that I've done is that it's not so much the religion per se that, that um, is a predictor of the honor violence. It's does the family, do the men in the family consider their female blood relatives to be their property? That's the common denominator across all honor killings. The women are considered property, and when they step out of line to obeying or um, upholding the cultural, traditional gender norms, that's when the violence occurs. So, Got it. thank you. Thanks for answering yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for answering that for for our chatter. And so, so let me ask you ultimately. What do you want the impact of this film to be? Shoelle, can we start with you? Well, uh, for me personally, I really hope, um, you know, the justice is served in the case of Amina and Sarah. Uh, there are so many things that they can be done, um, not only with Jasser, but, you know, approaching other individuals that law enforcement could approach and, and and question them, uh, and we're working on that. We want to make sure that, like Amy said before, we're not going to stop here. We're going to move forward and really uh, push this case until someone does something. Um, I'm, you know, hoping that we can really educate people um, because, you know, even a lot of my friends, they, they didn't even know what honor violence was. You know, they went to watch the movie. They were like, oh, my God, I didn't know that that happened, you know? And I think that's something very normal in in the U.S., you know, people never hear, you know, not everybody hear about it. So, you know, I really hope that we can make a difference. Um, 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 you know, we'll see. Right. And Amy? Yes. Well, I um, first and foremost, we want people to know about Amina and Sarah Saeed and to never forget them and keep them alive in, in their hearts and minds. And we we want Yasser Saeed to be caught, arrested, and convicted for their murders. And I really hope that people will see this film and it will raise the bar on how communities, law enforcement, and social services approach honor violence in the United States henceforth. Things have got to change, and I think this film has the potential to galvanize it. And where where is it screening? Where do you know where it's screening next? Um next screening is in San Francisco, then we're going it's um maybe October twenty fifth and then we're going to New York, maybe Washington DC, and we are moving on to um a few um festivals, film festivals. So um yeah, if, if people follow us on Twitter or Facebook or go to our web, they will be able to see all the screenings um, in the U.S. Um, I just wanted to say one thing. Um, we want to make sure that people know who Amina and Sarah were. They were wonderful girls. And they never 
put shame on 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 Jasser. It was Jasser that put shame on his family. Thank you. Yeah. Right. And so I, I want to encourage people if you want to see a, see the film to go to the website and get on the email list because that's the best way to for us to be able to share with you um, when they you know each new screening is um, uh, scheduled. Um, whether it's um, a, a premiere in a city or it's at a film festival, and we don't send out a lot of emails, so you're not going to get spammed. And um, we, you know, really want people who are interested in this to um, also consider um, screening the film for um, their group or organization as well. We can we can help arrange that. So can you give the website again and maybe even, you know, the Facebook page? I'm I'm, sure, I'm assuming the Facebook page is the price of honor. Um, yes. Yeah. Is it different? Okay, yeah. good. And the and the website again so that our that that the listeners who who want to know more or, or find out where is where is it screening next can go there and and get that information. Right. It's the price of honor film.com. And there's a tremendous amount of other information there, including the trailer, uh, the photos of the uh, of some of the other young women who have been victims of either honor violence or honor killing. There is uh, bios for all the filmmakers, the producers, the director, um, Amy yourself. There's there's a lot of information there. Uh, anything I'm missing? No, I think, think you got I think, it. Yeah. <laughs> got it? Okay. Okay. Good. So I, I want to thank you both for being my guests tonight. I wish you so much success, and I hope that this film sheds the light that it's intended to and that it saves lives and it and it brings Yasser to justice. And and I want to know, I'm going to go to the website and find out when it's in New York because I want to make sure I'm at the screening. Thank you so much, Linda. We really appreciate your interest in this uh, topic um, once again, and thank you for having us, and we really look forward to having you at the New York screening. Wonderful. And you, like, you all know like, you know that you have a voice with us anytime you need it. You just need yes, to reach out. Yes, thank you very much for having us, and, um, you know, looking forward to meeting you in person. Um, I just want to remember people to use hashtag catch Yasser now. Yes. Hey, hashtag catch Yasser now. Thank you. Thanks, Joelle. Thank you. Thank Amy. you. Thanks, Linda. You're welcome. Thank you. And for my listeners next week, I'll be speaking with Joseph Astor, photographer and filmmaker, whose lost bohemia goes inside the private lives of those former artists and performers who um, were living above the the Carnegie Hall at the time that the Carnegie Corporation began to systematically evict them in order to demolish the 160 unique 19th century studio spaces in which they lived. And the film follows the protracted battle by the tenants to preserve their community and the rich heritage of the studios. So that is next week with Joseph Astor and it's called Lost Bohemia. You can look the um, the film up online and learn a little bit about, more about it before uh, before coming and listening to the program. So I'll say good night until next week. 
Until then, I want to thank our listeners for supporting the Voice of Leadership and for supporting our guests. You can comment about this program on our Facebook pages if you like. There are two. One is the Voice of Leadership. The other is the VOL Connection. And rather than playing the music of Cindy Campo, which we typically play at the end of the program, I'm going to play a short excerpt from the end of the trailer for The Price of Honor. Good night, Amy. Good night, Shoelle. Thanks again. Good Good night. Thank you. Good night, all. Until next week. He clearly would have had to have a plan on how to get out of town. How can you have that much blood on you and walk away from a crowd scene without nobody seeing you? Somebody takes it off. I don't think he had left it. I'd like to see him without a And now, for the first time, the FBI says this may have been an honor point. The shame that the family feels because of the woman's behavior causes them to kill her to restore the honor. We had eye contact. He had a cap over his head, but he still had his mustache.